The galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother, and treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Horus Heresy. Whether you're a warrior of the Legionis Astartes, an adept of the Mechanicum, or a mortal in a galaxy of madness, you'll find your place here. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, broadcasting deep within the bowels of the Vengeful Spirit. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Remembrancer's Retreat. I'm Jesse and joined today with Austin, Jason, and William. How's everybody doing today? Doing good, doing good. So, uh, Austin, what, uh, I guess we'll start off today with uh, what we've been up to. So, uh, what have you been up to this week? Uh, well, this week I'm kind of, like, I'm in the process of preparing myself for the great plunge that will be converting and painting 150 near-identical Imperial Militiamen. Uh, and to sort of wash my hands of that, just 28 millimeter in general, I've been having a lot of fun building this Titanicus terrain. Yeah. Are you just been using the, uh, the Civitas? The yeah, yeah, Titanus? yeah. I've, I've been building the Civitas set, uh, and then a buddy of mine uh, with a 3D printer printed out these great little uh, landing pads that, I've been, that I just started to paint up. Nice. Um, gonna do some other terrain in there. Uh, I've got some interesting methods of making like forests and stuff for small scale games, uh, where you don't actually make individual trees. Because if any, like, if you've traveled or like seen any picture of forest from above, when you're looking down on it, you don't see trees, right? It's just sort of this green, just yeah, pile of like green a carpet, a carpet yeah, of green, it's a carpet of green. <laughs> so I'm gonna be trying to do something like that. Uh, and, you know, some hills, maybe some, like, kind of badland rock formations, stuff like that. Um, Very cool. And, you know, it's it's not painting a 28-millimeter models of any sort, so it kind of, you know, I'm continuing to hobby while also giving myself a break, getting ready. And uh, as I was mentioning to Jason before the cast, I'm also possibly going to pick up a Mechanicum force, um, also primarily infantry. Uh, so yeah, I've got a lot of things on the go. A lot of things on the go. Awesome. That's that's what I've been up to in the past week. Good stuff. Uh, Jason, you still with us? What do you got? What have you been up to? Oh yeah, I'm here. I'm just uh, silently toiling along, uh, <laughs> clipping all the little resin gates off my new Phoenix Terminators. Nice. Let's see. So I've been trading back and forth, uh, converting Phoenix Terminators into some uh, Sekhmet. Uh, hopefully they'll look all nice and fancy when I, I get done with them. And uh, I've been switching back and forth between building those guys and uh, painting a Warlord Titan for uh, Adeptus Titanicus. Hopefully, eventually, Austin and I will get a game in once I can be an adult and, you know, assemble an entire manifold. <laughs> sure. But, uh, yeah, so a uh, tiny Legio Zesta Biax is coming along quite well in my hobby room here. Pretty much uh, kept me entertained the last couple of weeks. Awesome stuff. Yeah, for myself uh, this week, uh, just today, I know Austin, myself, Caro, and uh, Will were working on some terrain for the upcoming Istvan 5 uh, little event day that we're having in October, which was a lot of fun. Um, also put some primer on my uh, Warlord Titan skeleton, so making slow but steady progress on that. Had some random epic bits, so I've got a little rhino and some tactical space marines just chilling out on the base so far. It's coming together real nice. And, um, it's been somewhat laid back, other than the Titanicus, which I've been having a lot of fun with. It's uh, been pretty quiet on my hobby front. Yeah, I, I gotta say, throwing a little bit of epic models onto Titanicus bases is my favorite thing. It's really adding the sprinkles to the ice cream. Yeah, like it gives you... Like that sense of scale that this model isn't just a weirdly shaped yeah. material yep. light. So that's basically what we've been up to. What do, what do we want to talk about today? What do we got on the docket? Well, uh, pretty apropos, considering after, whew, this is still a couple weeks after uh, Nova down here in Virginia. And uh, all of us are kind of struggling with various uh, steps and stages of hobby burnout. So I thought it might be a good idea to go into our own personal techniques and uh, chat for a little bit about what we do to 
get over that hump when you just sunk so much time and effort in and you just need uh just need a little break sometimes and you find that uh those huge piles of models you got just staggering and the thought of dipping back in to start painting again just takes a lot of uh takes a lot of effort so thought that would be a apropos topic for the evening sounds good all right who wants to start off austin you're alphabetically first you go first yeah it's great to have your first name (laughs) start with an a uh well like i said man like i i don't know if i'm like just haven't met a whole bunch of 30k hobbyists besides my rva guys here uh but i'm kind of eclectic when it comes to my hobby like i've uh, got like a war master, like a couple war master <laughs> armies, uh, one completely unbuilt and unassembled uh, that I just acquired recently. Uh, you know, I got some World War One historical six millimeter along with Gates, uh, and I'm also really into uh, Ink Twenty Eight and like Inquisimunda. Uh, for those of you that don't know, that's uh, like the Blanchetsu articles that are in the White Dwarves. That's that is Inquisimunda. Um, doing just crazy intricate things with uh, like five or six models to sort of tell a mm-hmm. story. So that that's kind of how I get around hobby fatigue. Because um, as uh, our listeners who listen frequently will know, I have a lot of militia armies, which means that you know, like like I said earlier, like I got 150 infantry that I'm going to sit down and batch paint probably in just two batches. Uh, and that'll take a lot out of you. So once I do that, I'll reward myself with, you know, hey, I just did a massive project of doing everybody pretty much exactly the same. I'm going to do a little Inquisimunda Warband. Like, that'll make me happy. Or, you know, shit, I just painted a billion 28mm models. I'm going to paint some Warmaster. I'm going to, like, do a little terrain for my Adeptus Titanicus. Uh... So I find that playing more than one system really helps with the hobby fatigue because there's there's always something that's like different that you can go do. Uh, you know, you're tired of building models. There's always something. You know, oh hey, I'll just prime some Warmaster and paint those up. No building required for those guys. You know, get done painting. Oh, I'll I'll spend you know the next week converting up a model for Inquisimunda. You know, right now I've got this uh, Bastilladon that. Uh, needs a lot of green stuffing because I'm pretty much turning it into the equivalent of an alien yak, so I have to give it a lot of fur, uh, which is boring in and of itself to just sit there and sculpt a ton of fur onto a model like that. Mm-hmm. But when I get tired of painting, you know, that's something totally different. You know, it's a little something soothing you can do while having the TV going or listen to an audiobook or something. So that's my like out when it comes to hobby fatigue. Just switch systems switch from you know painting to building or vice versa carry on cool stuff jason how about yourself i'm kind of in the same boat uh when i look at all the painting i did just prior i had to get through two land raiders uh 20 lightly armored uh what are they called? The Eisenkern Stormtroopers. And 12 of the heavier, bulkier, uh, heavy uh, armor guys. And it was pretty miserable. <laughs> and I've still got a huge backlog of those dudes to paint. Um, I only had 1,500 points altogether. And it was, let's see, 30, 30, 52... Uh, about 55 infantry models, three land raiders, two Medusa, and a quad gun. And I painted the lion's share of that in a couple of weeks before Nova. Now, I have a really simplified paint scheme of kind of a metallic gray, bronze, and red. Mm-hmm. So it's very production line to just, you know, sit down and knock it all out and get it done. But it is pretty agonizing, you know, after the uh, 30th or so little infantry dude you've stamped out of the uh, production press there. So I'm kind of in the same boat as Austin. Right now, I'm swapping between converting these Sekhmet, which uh, each one of these guys has kind of taken some time. 
because I've got to shave down a whole bunch of crap off the pauldron so they don't look too much like Emperor's children. I'm probably going to have to uh, press mold a little thousand suns sun uh, for the right pauldron. Because uh, I know people have some strong opinions on the uh, molded pauldrons versus the uh, water mm -hmm. slides. And pretty much my entire Thousand Suns army uses the molded pauldrons. So, one, having uh, molded pauldrons on everything but a squad of Terminators would look pretty weird. And two, the only color you can find the Thousand Suns sun in are uh, white. Uh -huh. yep. And, yeah, so my uh, Thousand Suns are third company, or third fellowship, Pavoni. And they kind of trade out the traditional Thousand Suns white for a black mm -hmm. instead. So one little white detail on that shoulder pad would kind of oh, jump yeah. out like a sore thumb. Uh -huh. Look a little odd. So I think the difference for me isn't so much swapping between systems. I mean, pretty much everything I'm doing except for the Warlord Titan is a uh, 28 millimeter at the moment. But for me, it's switching between intricate and really easy turn-off-your-brain-production stuff. Because even though these segments are taking a good uh, couple of hours per guy to convert, uh, it's a lot different feel than having to spend you know, that same two, two-and-a-half hours uh, painting 15, 20 guys for crew of uh, Medusa. And uh, I'm sure Austin knows the pain of having to paint uh, eight individual guys and an artillery piece, just a single uh, single model purchase of, what are they, like 117 points? Uh, yeah, it's 100 for the Medusa, and then a Medusa and four guys is 100, and then each additional guy is like three points, like that, five points. Yeah, not exactly uh, points dense. Yeah. Yeah, I feel uh, your pain there. Uh, oh, I'm sure you do. And, I mean, you're a little worse off than I am, because my militia are actually pretty expensive so far as they go. Mine are like 105 points wide. So yeah, my, uh, my 150 militia that I'm painting, uh, all up, and this is like distributing the cost of the Providences across them as well, uh, are about 500 points. Well. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty simple. Yeah, I try not to think about it. <laughs> it is a hard feeling to see hours and hours of work get knocked down accidentally <laughs> by, uh, you know, bolt guns. Yeah, which is funny, because, like, I've ranted about, like, the Aurochs and the Carnadon as money-wise being a terrible investment for the points. Uh, but I have no problem at all spending 80 hours painting 20 points worth of models, you know, like, oh, of course not. Every, everybody's got their thing. That's a solid investment, not some you know, waste. That's part of the fun of ownership, yeah. right? That is, that is the fun, right? So what about you, Jesse? How do you cope with, uh, how do you I think for one, like hobbying is a lot of fun, but don't be afraid to take a break every now and then. Sometimes if you need to just take a step back, give it a week or two, even a few weeks, sometimes you need a break. I might also say that, you know, just for myself, like Austin, I started working on Titanicus. It's kind of like a secondary thing. And uh, I found that quite, quite to be quite a lot of fun. Uh, definitely, you know, trying something different, trying something new, kind of freshens the hobby because God knows I play Dark Angels and painting black 24-7 will drive you crazy. So that's why I'm going with something crazy. I'm going with Legio Storm, the Warp Runners for my Legio Titan. Yeah, Titan Legio. So, you know, bright blues and yellows are going to be kind of uh, interesting contrast to what I normally paint. Uh, I remember you talking yeah. about that. I'm uh I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what you do with me too. <laughs> got, yeah, I want it to look uh, not so much like a you know like Mattel playset, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> or maybe like you know those uh those little Voltron action yeah. figures. 
<laughs> yeah. I feel like that's exactly what Legio a Storm like. Yeah. And um, I'm gonna... I have to paint at least one because it's a little uh, hobby secret here. So I got a hold of a very awesome looking Lucius pattern one mm. from uh, this place called Nuclear Shrimp Games. Uh, it's a gentleman over in uh, Greece that does like amazing little kind of boutique okay. models. And it's, uh, it's a very different look from the Mars pattern warlords. And what's interesting is the lucius pattern is obviously it's uh you know from the lucius forge world and uh it's very oh, yeah. very i see it yeah looks just like the old uh retro style warlords yeah. i like that it's like kind of a, it's like uh austin has that uh lucius pattern warhound in a 28 millimeter Mm -hmm. And two and six millimeter. Oh, I did not know they had them in 28 millimeter too. Holy crap. (laughs) Yeah. uh, They, they've been unavailable for like four or five years now. I want to say. Yeah. Quite some time. And uh, I got really lucky. And eBay one day I saw mine with three weapon arms for like 300 bucks. And I was like, Oh man, that'd be great. Like that'd be amazing. I can put them in the car. My my now fiance, God God love her. I told her about it, hoping that she would like talk me out of it, because <laughs> I like Forge World, like big models, three hundred bucks at a drop is not something I normally mm. do. Uh, and she was like, "You should totally bid on it." Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I was like, "All right, well, I'll bid the minimum, and uh, if I win, happy birthday to me." And for some strange reason, nobody else bid on it. It's <laughs> <laughs> very exciting. Wow. Um, but yeah, I've, I've always liked the look of the Lucius pattern. Yeah. Uh, I do prefer the Mars Reaver to the Lucius Reaver, but for Warlords, like that big blocky look is like what a Titan should be in my mind. Oh, yeah, I feel you. It's one of the reasons why uh, the, the Warhound, which is going on pre order this week, this week by the time people are listening to it, to this uh, of a certainty. Um, I'm only going to get two and maybe like split a box with somebody for three, uh, because I am very excited for Lucius pattern Warhound nice. to come out. And that's what I'm going to use to pad out my Legio. Uh, Cause I do love a good Warhound. They are a good business. I'll yeah. call it right now. I'll, I'll split a box yeah, with they, you, Austin. <laughs> hooray. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cause I've all, all of my Titans are, are getting names based on, uh, like famous quotes about war. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my warlord is Alea Ferrum Volvant, which is to roll the iron dice, which is a famous quote of Bismarck's. Now, is that in high um, Gothic? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, uh, and then my war, ha- my, uh, Reaver's name, uh, translates to second best <laughs> for two reasons. One, because the very first Titan I ever painted was an epic Reaver, with the same loadout as this one, whose name was First Among Equals, so this being my second one, uh, but also based off of the Sun Tzu quote that uh, the best, you know, it is best to win a war without fighting. Yeah. Obviously, the second best way to win a war is through gratuitous use of giant robots. <laughs> uh, and then uh, for my warhounds, the three warhounds that are going to be Mars pattern, uh, I'm naming after St. Augustine's requirements for a just war. So I'll always have the requirements for a just war with me whenever I play, and therefore I will always be in the way. That's cool. Seems like solid logic. Yeah, I, I'm a sucker for a good naming scheme for, like, Legion Titans and ships and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, I feel it. So uh, this uh, Lucius Pattern Warlord, uh, avid uh, Thousand Suns fans will no doubt know about uh, Canis Vertex which is the warlord that hung out over the Pure cult temple on Prospera until the wolves came and uh, the magister template of the, of the Pure lit that sucker back up and piloted it like a giant robot. <laughs> so uh, Canis Vertex was actually a Legio of Storm Titan that was killed in action alongside the Thousand Sun 
really early on in the Great Crusade. So as sort of an honor to the Titan Legio, they took it back home and <laughs> done prosper. Can we just pause for a second? Uh, honor is probably a strong word. Probably. Like, stealing somebody's Warlord Titan isn't like... Like, we don't take kindly to that in most Legios. Are we adding that to a list of things that Magnus perhaps maybe did do wrong? Uh, one more, <laughs> one more failure on the road to We'll not hear an argument from me. Magnus is an incredible tool bag. And I'm happy I challenged blocking the combat with the Biomancy Crater. Turn. Deserved it. <laughs> but yeah, so back to uh, fatigue. Definitely with Austin, you know, trying something out different. Like I said, don't don't be afraid to take a break. Like if you need a break, if you feel like it's just too much, there's nothing wrong with just taking a step back. Um, listen to some hobby book or listen to some uh, listen to some books, read some books. You know, just getting that lore back in your mind that helps out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. We're doing something totally unrelated. Like I mean, at the end of the day, you're doing this for fun. If you're hating your life, painting a hundred tiny militiamen, like you're. Not to say you're doing it wrong, but you're kind of doing it wrong. Yeah. It's a hobby. It's supposed to be fun. If you're not having <laughs> um, fun, then yeah, stop. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you're only affecting your mental health, and nobody wants. Yeah. Uh, um. But like you said, reading some books. Like sometimes you get inspiration from like totally unrelated places. Most of my militia inspiration comes from like my what I know about like World War One, and there are other armies I know that are based on like fallout or like other random stuff and they make it look really good so you know you can go off and you know put the brush and clippers down for a couple of weeks and suddenly you'll see something or hear or read something and be like oh that's awesome and you're right back into it for sure so yeah that's our little input into it so little apropos category (laughs) yeah yeah so what else do we want to talk about tonight? It's a, it's a, it's been a quiet night. It was just kind of like you know let's, well, let's just jump on and let's talk a little bit. So uh, I will say because I did mention a little earlier, the Warhound Titan is is out yes. for pre order next week. It's looking like that's going to be seventy five bucks for two, which is not what I yeah. was hoping for, but also like not the end of the world. Um. They do seem to have all the weapon options and all that. So that's cool. Oh, that'd be nice. the first one, I think, of all the Titans to have all their weapon mm-hmm. options. I mean, even the Knights are missing. The I got a quick question for you with the Knights and the Knight banners. Mm-hmm. Um, so I noticed in the Knight kit, for some reason, they only have one Melt-A-Gun. Is that, a re- is that some sort of a reason for equipment when building a banner? Uh, like, I, can they only have like one Melt-A-Gun per three or... Oh no, everybody can have one. I can only <laughs> assume it's because Melta is super okay. OP. Um, it auto hits. Oh wow. And is kind of nasty. Um, of course, it only has like a three inch range or something mm-hmm. stupid like that. But yeah. if you're in two inches, you're under the shields and you're going to have a yeah. bad time. Uh, so, like, being able to knock an auto hit onto that is, is pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I had actually just played a game yesterday with Wake. And he brought six knights and a warlord against my warlord and Reaver. Uh, and I like murdered three of his knights in one oh, round wow. shooting first turn. And was like, all right, well, they're not so bad. I can like leave them alone until I really have to shoot them. Mm-hmm. And just left them alone like a turn too long. And two of them on the charge butchered my Reaver. Oh, wow. Because uh, you get an extra... I didn't. We didn't realize this until he had already like done the charge. Um, but you get an extra attack for every three inches of move. Oh wow! So they were getting only two of them got into range, but they were getting so that was eight attacks of just like the choppy cha- giant chain sorting, and then they still got to do all of their normal attack in like the combat phase. And uh, yeah, that was enough to knock my reaper over. Wow. Uh, and she just got like ankle bited to death, which I'm sure makes Jason very happy. Um, it does because knights are amazing and they're coming for your shit. Yeah. Coming for my shit. As long as it's like knees and below. Nice. I mean, 
really, if you knock the knees of a Titan out, that brings the rest of it down to your level anyway. <laughs> That's very true. But very ladies true. and gentlemen, we have Jared on the line. Welcome, Jared. Hi, guys. Just got my connection awesome. worked out. You're sounding Hooray. good. Thank you. Thank you. So, Jared, I know you're not too late to the party. Um, we were just talking about <laughs> what do we do to combat hobby fatigue? I wonder if you have uh, any input to that yourself. Oh, um, what do you do to... I'm kind of a... Yeah. What do you do to just kind of, you know, if you get bogged down, what do you do to stretch your legs a little bit and get re-energized into it? Um, really reading the books is a huge, like, shot in the arm for me. Getting that lower uh, in? Yes, literally. Just just kind of leaning into it. And, you know, and I think the biggest thing for me is deadlines. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's some models. I probably started them and, you know, two years in, I haven't done them. But, you know, if I've got a deadline, oh, I want to use this on something, I'll get it done. Yeah. Um. So, hey, if, you, if you've got something coming up or... Uh, you know, maybe you want to schedule a game with a, a buddy and say, all right, by X date, I'm going to have whatever I need painted, painted, you know, set yourself some, uh, put some yeah, pressure. That on does you. help. I, I do my best work two weeks before Nova. That's where I, that's where I Amen. really do my churning out of stuff. Yes. <laughs> I haven't been as bad to where I actually had to paint a model while in my hotel room, but it's gotten close to the wire at times. That's that's I'm what the kidding. little painting station is for, That's right? true. They do have the little uh, hobby station, which is nice. Uh, yeah, I may have done some painting on, like, the floor at Nova. <laughs> awesome. I mean, what better place to do it than at a hobby convention anyway, so. Seriously. So, yeah. Uh, Jared, were you, um, <laughs> were you interested in any Titanicus? Did you pick up anything from uh, any Titans or Legios or Knights or anything? <laughs> So I literally just bought the rule book uh, kind of on a whim like two nights ago. Oh. Um, it's I wanted to get into it for a while. It's just, it's like Battlefleet Gothic. I know it's a warm bath. And when I get in it, I'm just going to want to stay in it and, and, and wallow. Oh. So it's, it's going to be a slow growth for me, but it's going to be, yeah, I don't, I don't I tell say you, the handy thing is here, at least with a uh, Titanicus, at least you don't have to scrounge eBay or anything trying to find just, you know, a handful of ships that you're looking for. At least it's all more or less right yeah, there. Yeah. It's all in. Or yeah. on the other hand, put a, uh, Shapeways dude, like his kid through college. Oh yeah. <laughs> because we have, it's kind of yeah. like, um, have you guys ever listened to that podcast? How did this get made? It sounds familiar, but I, uh, I don't think I ever listened to it. I know what you're talking about. Pretty exceptional. It's uh, Paul Shear, Jason Manzukas, and um, Paul Shear's wife, uh, June Diane Raphael. And they like break down terrible movies with like, you know, fun facts and stuff like this is how they got their funding, this is how well it did in the US, this is how it did uh -huh. overseas, and generally rip the movie apart. <laughs> but, uh, Jason Manzukas always makes like a pretty funny uh, observation. Like, uh, oh, what was it? Um, oh, uh, fucking Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. You guys remember that? <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, hey, that was a fantastic movie. Well, I pay no attention to the plot. <laughs> <laughs> Just the uh, green screen robots and everybody not maintaining eye contact with each other. Uh, and the tiny elephants, sir. Also tiny elephants. But uh, the point he made was, you know, the best thing about doing this show is I know hundreds of people, like, you know, rented this movie, found it on DVD, you know, got it streaming on Amazon or whatever. And in a month, Jude Law is going to get a royalties check. And he's going to be like, the fuck who is watching Sky Captain in the World of <laughs> Fucking with Jude Law is worth so much more than anything else you could ask for. <laughs> so I kind of feel like that's what we did for a Shapeways dude. Uh, you know, knocking out uh, several hundred dollars worth of stuff from uh, his Shapeways. Bang guy. goes the chimpanzee, right? Right? Like, I, I wondered when, when we was... were doing it, 
if this is like his normal, you know, one guy buys one thing and suddenly he's shipping like $300 worth of stuff to a couple different addresses in the same like city. Mm-hmm. Or if he just sort of, you know, he's the guy with really cool stuff. Nobody really buys it. And like you said, suddenly we put his, like, why are all these people from Richmond just buying shit? Yeah. <laughs> like, who did this? But hey, so we're doing a public service, right? We're helping, like, put a kid through college. Yeah, Good stuff. absolutely. See, now it makes me want to learn 3D CAD now. <laughs> <laughs> the more I see, like, especially with the Titanicus stuff, uh, one of the Facebook groups I'm on has some guys that are, like, 3D mm-hmm. modelers, like, have 3D printers, and passing around, like, Shapeways information. Uh, and I'm just like, man. Because the nice thing is, like with Shapeways, like, you just need to know how to design it. Like, you don't have to worry about, you know, getting the printer all set up or anything like that. If you make 3D models. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, they've been doing a lot of like, oh, hey, I found this really cool thing on Shapeways. So if you, like, buy it and, like, you print it out, you know, if you printed it, like, 118%, that's the perfect size for Titanicus. <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. And just, like... God damn it, I want to. <laughs> but alas, the downside of buying a house is that I don't have $4,000 to That's throw okay. Away. I don't have a house, but I don't have $4,000 to throw out either. So don't feel too bad, Austin. <laughs> yeah. Between that and the yeah. wedding. There's always the beauty um, of uh, personal loans. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> <laughs> what do you need this loan for, sir? Well, you see, I really want a 3D printer and this, uh, like, 3D scan. It's for my game room. So, yeah, it's like 15 grand, right? I mean, going into debt for a hobby is one thing. Going into debt for the wedding, I, I think you're a dumbass <laughs> if you do that. We we are not. I like. I don't know if my future brother-in-law is listening. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we've been to several weddings this year. I think we're going to be up to five by the end of the year. God we're, damn. We're both very much. Let's see how cheaply we can do this while still having yeah. plenty of good food and alcohol. That's really the only part that matters. I mean, as a, uh, as a wedding ob- observer, yes, you're right. Wedding guest? Well, wedding guest. Why like, did I say observer? Ceremony. Like everybody's going to say, oh, it's a great ceremony. Yeah. The booze and the uh, food is worth that. Ceremony, 10-10, would marry again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say, at uh, her brother's wedding the groomsmen were playing Pathfinder like the night before <laughs> and during the day or not, not Pathfinder, uh, the Cthulhu RPG. That's While even nerdier. Bride, That's yeah, worse. Like, <laughs> on, on the day of the wedding, they were playing it because the friggin' you know, the bride and everybody has to be up at like crack of dawn to get ready and get pictures taken. Like you're a guy, you throw your suit on and you show up wherever the woman tells you because <laughs> it's her wedding and you're just invited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I've I've given that a lot of consideration too. Uh, how best to pack some hobby stuff to get some gaming in, you know, night before, day mm. of, whatever. Uh, she's also been brave enough to offer to go to England for our honeymoon. Oh, like, you realize we do that, we're going to Nottingham, <laughs> right? And she's like, "Yeah, I love you." I'm like, "That's oh, awesome." Remember that. <laughs> remember that. Oh boy. Well, good stuff. Yeah, man, we finally become that podcast to get totally off track. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> we need that every now and then. Helps uh, yeah. keep the hobby fresh. <laughs> yeah, helps us uh, recoup from podcast fatigue. That is also a real thing. I don't know. Okay, what do you want to talk about, Jared? This is your podcast now. What do you want to talk about? Are, are, are we doing the, the Terminator thing? Nobody knows about the Terminator thing. Uh, I think we're we're holding off yep. the Terminator thing uh, until Stephen and Ryan can weigh in. Stephen never uses Terminators. He he has no opinion. <laughs> Let me give Stephen's opinion. <laughs> Texas. <What the> hell? <laughs> that was that was a great impression of Stephen, by the way. But nevertheless, we'll. Uh... Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Robbie, I we're just going to string you along, Jared. Three times while looking oh, into yeah. a mirror, we can summon them. <laughs> we'll just keep stringing you along, Jared, for uh, for a couple weeks worth of a podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, we're going to have the Dude, the Terminator like, show. I've showed up and just uh, keep on coming. <laughs> to talk about Terminators and 
just been denied, and I'm a little hurt. It's coming. It's coming. Not coming fast enough. It'll be there. But other than that, what do you want to talk about, Jared? What's 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 oh, what's Lord. grinding your gears? As so said the great Peter Griffin. Uh, <laughs> you want to do a uh, Istvan plug? Because I feel like we haven't talked about that at all. Unless I've totally missed it and we have talked about it. Yeah. So on October 20th, down in Battlegrounds, we have an Istvan 5 event. Come bring your Istvan 5 specific legion slash mechanicum slash militia slash, I guess, titans? Solar Solar I don't know if people are bringing titans. We're not the same people. I'm sorry. I'm sure David. Solar Ox and militia. Sorry. Sorry. Immortalist. But uh, yeah, come come on down. I think it's a ten dollars for an event. There's going to be some raffles. There's going to be some prizes. Um, I do let Will know in advance if you want to come because he needs to register you. Yes. Uh, you can find uh, send us a message down to uh, Remembrancers Retreat Events, and uh, I cannot for the life of me remember the email address. I want to say it's like rva thirty k at gmail dot com at gmail. Okay, yeah, so that's yeah. right. Hopefully. Um, yeah. If you're interested, come on down. We got, we're getting close to about a dozen people showing up. Some awesome yeah. people, some awesome armies. And it's going to be a good time. Um, I think looking at the roster, it's going to be like 30, 35,000 aside. Oh shit. I mean, it, I'm, I'm serious. It's going to be ridiculous. Um, definitely be a sight to behold. Yeah. I think it's going to be probably the coolest damn event we've done so far. I hope so. Yeah. I'm, I'm, like, Based on the terrain we've been building, I can confirm it will be the coolest damn event we've done so far. Yeah, we got lots of nice big pieces of terrain, nice cool hills, lots of line of sight blocking stuff, and it's it's going to be good. And, uh, you know, Will and I were talking last game we had, you know, he wants to do it again next year, which I think is an awesome idea. Cause, Istvan 5? Yeah, there's still a bunch of Istvan models that I need to paint that I haven't done yet. Oh, I gotcha. Just just keep refighting it until the loyalists finally win. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> like this one will be the historical reenactment, and uh, <laughs> next year's will be what if Dorne wasn't an idiot, and what if Ferris could follow instructions. All right, I just had a I bad feel like day. We, is all we need. Stephen Dorne here. had himself a bad like first half of the heresy. Eleven uh, years, man. Dorne had a rough <laughs> most of the heresy. Let's put it on. Let's put. Let's be honest. All right. Okay, here we Jesse. go. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, this is what Jared. Wants. There we go. I finally got him. I finally got Jared. Got him. Got him riled up. Here we go. And I. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not riled. I'm unrileable. Men of stone. Uh-huh. Men of stone. <laughs> That's the imperial fist nickname, or the stone men, rather. Yeah. Um. You know, we constantly BS in the chat about ways Primarchs have screwed up, which ones are idiots. All of them, more or less. Dorn, in particular, seems to catch a lot of hate. Let's discuss those pros and cons, because I have some strong feelings on them. You know, feel free to guess if you wish. All right. Uh, Jason, do you want to handle uh, Istvan? And I will, and uh, Jared can maybe rebut. And then I would like to talk about fall, if that's uh, an available topic. All right, so let me tell you about all the things Dorn fuck-handed just around Isma. <laughs> so the, nobody had heard from the Night Lords in like 40 <laughs> fucking years. And the last time Dorn heard anything from Conrad Kurz was when Kurz told Holgrim, like, hey, I get these crazy prophetic visions of my father murdering me. And that asshole Fulgrim tattles to Dorn, who immediately goes and tries to confront Kurz, who uh, punches him in the nose, and then they arrest him. And uh, Conrad Kurz murders the shit out of a bunch of Templar and a uh, Phoenix guard on his way out of the door. In space go, jail. Uh, blow- yes, out of space jail to go uh, blow up Nostromo. And then he just disappears into the fucking ether for like 20 years. 40 years, whatever. And, and the next thing anybody hears from him is when he shows back up for the uh, second line on Istvan 5. And Doran's like, hey, I'm sure everything's fine there. Definitely going to get the uh, Night Lords in as backup. And, uh, well, we all know what happened from there. Wasn't great. Your rebuttal, Jared. 
All right. Here's the thing with Dorn. When preparing for Isfahan, you're facing Horus. You know, big picture, if you have an asset, regardless of how messed up and murdery that asset is, would you not use it? You know, Dorn had no inkling, no, no concept of the heresy. You know, these were his brothers, to his knowledge. They might be weird and dysfunctional, and, and you know, some of them might suck in their legions. Or, eh. But, you know, these are the assets he had. You know, acting in good faith, those are the ones that were available. He used what resources he had to the best of his ability. Now, a lot of people in particular, you know, fault him for what went on on Isfahan 5. That, I think, is overstepping just in terms of sphere of command. You know, when the heresy broke out, Dorn went to Terra, starts fortifying the solar system, and, you know, kind of held the fort there and sort of set up, uh, you know, the legions that were going to go to Isfahan 5. But that was the end of his, you know, control over that campaign. You know, it's like if, if Operation Overlord hadn't worked out, are you mad at George C. Marshall or are you mad at Dwight Eisenhower? And at the end of the day, I think the failure on Isvan lies with Ferris more than anybody else. Um, you know, they had three legions that were available to attack, and he attacked four legions with three of his own. Which, you know, given the fact that it's Horus and Angron, you know, that's probably not the best idea. Mm-hmm. But he went ahead and assaulted, you know, not waiting around for reinforcements. Say he had waited around for reinforcements and, you know, the second wave of traitors that comes in, you know, reveals themselves. Well, at least he's, you know, in the void. Maybe he didn't make landfall. Maybe he can, you know, make an escape and not have three legions get annihilated. And even... On Istvan, you know, when the uh, Vulcan incurs and the kind of lull in the battle, and they said, all right, let's go back and, and lick our wounds. We're going to do a second assault with fresh reinforcements. He said, no, screw that. And split up his forces. You know, Ferris failed a lot on Istvan, and ultimately it, it cost him. Um, and he was the one who had operational command. I mean, they couldn't even, they could barely get astropathic messages in between the soul system and is fine. You know, Dorn had virtually no control over the events that went on there, aside from sending the legions over that. That's my defense. Again, he is not blameless by any means, but to no say one is in this lore, <laughs> uh, hey, hey, man. <laughs> but to say is five is Dorn's fault is I, in my opinion, an over a stretch. All right. Now, I can see this being an oversight. However, the very close follow-up to Istvan V is abandoning Mars. So, in this, one of the best resources, I think, is Cybernetica. By, uh, I think that one's Rob Sanders, I want to say. I believe you're right. But it's pretty great. And in it, there's this conversation between Malkador, Dorn, and Zagreus Kane, the de facto... Uh, loyalist fabricator general. So Dorn tells Zagreus Kane, hey, uh, supply and demand, I assume you've heard of. With like all the arrogant frat boy swagger Dorn can muster. Uh, I've got bigger things to worry about out in the crusade. So this is Mars, like holy Mars itself the absolute most fortified, most heavily defended, biggest production facility for war material literally in the galaxy. And Dorn says he has bigger concerns than one, that falling to Horus, and two, that being literally on Terra's doorstep. There could not have been a better staging point for Horus to hop over onto Terra than Mars. And to uh, to make that even a little bit worse, uh, Doran's first idea to keep Mars out of Horus's hands is to uh, inflict it exterminatus on 
So beyond the fact that's just a fantastically terrible idea to blow like the biggest supplier of war material in the galaxy to its component atoms, or at least attempt to, I don't know how successful that would have been, considering, uh, I don't know, that may not have worked out so hot, but that's debatable. Uh, Besides that, he would essentially be blowing, like, the holy city of every single Forge world in the galaxy to its component atoms. What does that say to every other Mechanicum Forge world down to, like, the smallest menial that they're already, you know, treated kind of like a vassal state? They're kind of uh, treated like a slave labor class, just turn out uh, stuff for the Imperial War effort. What would it say if, you know, Dorn, the de facto, you know, general command of the entire Imperium, blew up your holy city? I mean, he's already pissing off a whole lot of the Loyalist Mechanicum that did come over by uh, pretty much abandoning everybody and everything that wasn't directly related to his war effort. So they already know he's kind of viewing them as resources instead of an actual ally. But if he'd blown up their holy city too, I know it's debatable. We don't know exactly what would have happened. But uh, it would have gone even more to uh, shit in a handbasket pretty rapidly. So uh, what are your thoughts on that one, Jared? You know, my, you know, long view, I think Mars is going to get exterminatist. Something... I think some sort of extinction level event is going to go on there because again, you know, there's such a uh, divide between 30 and 40 K Mechanicum. I think there's going to be an even greater dying off. I don't know. I'm really interested to see how that all turns out, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Look at the wider, you know, heresy itself, the war across the galaxy, you know, Doran's that's his big picture thing to worry about. And not really anybody else's at this point. You know, the Emperor is tied up in the webway. So many of the resources available to the Loyalists on Terra are being sucked right into there. I mean, like 90% of the Custodes just get wiped out in the webway. I mean, that's there's so many um, you know, resources that are getting poured into just holding the planet. Um, then you've got, from the Void, you've got Alpha Legion, you've got traders, you know, uh, rogue uh, trader ships, you've got word bearers making incursions. And this is in uh, Praetorian of Dorne, they address this. Those ships are arriving daily. So he has daily attacks to deal with, um, trying to pick apart defenses on the outskirts of the soul system. Now he's got to fortify Terra from Horus, which we pretty much, you know, he knows is going to happen. And with those extremely limited resources, he's got to also take Mars. You know, Jason, you know, you're a Mechanicum player. We've played Fist vs. Mechanicum a bunch of times. You know, in, in the times that I have won, how many models have I had left? Four or five, maybe? <laughs> you know, Not it's, a bunch. No, never a bunch. Even when it's a solid victory, <laughs> it's never a lot of guys. I think one time I finished with Dorn and a Terminator. You know, it's, it's never, yeah, <laughs> it's it's never a bloodless victory. <laughs> you know, extrapolate that across the Imperial Fist Legion and freaking Mars, which has been now fortified by Kelbor Hal to you know the nth degree. They're using warp-tainted technology and scrap code and all this nonsense to get, you know, demon servitors and and super powerful cybernetica and whatever dark crap they come up with for the next uh, World World book. You know, he's it would take probably the entire Imperial Fist Legion to retake Mars. And what would be left would be a smoking ruin. I mean, regardless. And how much of the Imperial Fist Legion is going to be left? You know... Not much. And then he's got to face Horus and eight other legions with how much left? You know, you know, it's a compromise, but it's the best compromise he had. And yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I think I got to, as, as much as I think Dorn fucked up a whole mess of the heresy, <laughs> uh, I, I got to agree with Jared when it comes to Mars. 
like they're as as you mentioned, they're pouring bodies into the webway from Terra. They're not getting a ton of like troop reinforcements. Those are going to Benegarman and all over the and Mars was pretty solidly like there's there's fighting for sure, but pretty solidly a heretical place. I I think it would be just sort of throwing good money after bad. Like you said, even if they win, then they only have but so much to to fight off the main assault when it comes. Uh, that being said, I have one that it 100% comes down to Dorn being a shitty Primarch, and that's the Battle of Fall. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Fall was a naval engagement between the uh, Iron Warriors commanded by good old Pert, and uh, the Imperial Fists, commanded by uh, Pollux, whose first name I'm suddenly unable to remember. Alexis. Alexis Pollux, yes. Um, and, like, long story short, the the Imperial Fists get a little ambushed um, and turn it around super hard. And are, like, turn what was initially, like, they got ambushed, wasn't going well right at the start. Imperial Fist, Pollux is a fantastic naval commander, turns that shit right around uh, and are about 15 minutes away from killing Pert and ruining the entire fleet of the friggin' Iron Warriors and message comes through. Hey kids, it's dad. Shit's going down. Come back to Terra immediately. And they do. And in doing so, not only do they let the Iron Warriors and Perturabo, you know, escape, but they get massacred pulling out. Like, they were doing something like a 4 to 1 kill ratio and wound up losing two-thirds of their fleet. Most of that happening in trying to, like, get away. Um, and, like, there are people that make the argument, oh, well, you know, there, he wouldn't. You know, he didn't know the situation at hand. But this is all to do with the Legion's, ment- with the Legion's mentality. Uh, you can't imagine, like, a Space Wolf fleet or a White Scars fleet or even, like, you know, a Salamander's or Blood Angel's fleet having a traitor Legion by the throat, getting a call from their Primarch, you know, just, you know, astropathic signal hey, come home immediately. Like, all those guys are showing up 15 minutes late, dropping Perturabo's head on their dad's desk and saying, you know, sorry I was late. P.S. This was your brother. The uh, Iron Warriors are all dead. But no. That's not how the Imperial Fists roll. They would rather lose two-thirds of their force, let an enemy Primarch live, and his Legion get away, and a very critical one, like, I'm sure that when it comes down to Siege of Terra time, we're going to be reading an awful lot about how Perturabo and the Iron Warrior were the cause of a lot of breached fortifications in that fight. Uh, and it all comes down to the fact that he he forged his legion in such a manner that they have no strategic initiative to be able to say, yeah, Dad sent us a recall order. Uh, and we know it's months old, uh, and he doesn't know the situation here. So we're going to take just a little bit of time from our, you know, tack on another 15, 20 minutes to our month-long journey back home and uh, wipe out a, per- a traitor legion. I, and I, like, that's mind-boggling to me that somebody would create a fighting force and train them with so much, like, I have to do exactly what Dad says for that to happen. Like, even the word bearers who are, like, genetically bred to be overly zealous towards their Primarch's orders. Like, I can't even see them doing something that ridiculous. Hey, Jared, just letting you know, as a Dark Angels player, I'm really enjoying this right now. <laughs> oh, your time. Oh, I um, know. I know. You're next week, all right? <laughs> Because I got a lot to say on that subject. <laughs> I'm having a blast right now. You know, to my knowledge, Inwit is has not been blown up, sir. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah. we took care of Chemos and Barbarous. 
the classic rebuttal to all Dark Angel shit. <laughs> My homeworld's fine. How's yours doing? <laughs> all right. We got a fucking spaceship now. Yeah. Floating yeah, around. You spaceship. yeah, you mean we got a spaceship? Yeah. And and how many uh, Traitor Legion yeah. worlds did you blow up? You don't even know. I know at least two. We got at least two under our belt. Well, Caliban and which other? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, oh. it's fun. If you ever look, if you ever, you see that uh, Horace Heresy journal that uh, GW sells at the stores. And they got a little, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. If they have little timelines of stuff and it mentions in two of the pages of the Dark Angels destroying Chemos during the scouring and also uh, blowing up Barbarus, which is, you know, huh. pretty cool. So yeah, did not yeah, know that. You, you're welcome. It's good stuff. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. So in a rebuttal, we, yeah, there we go. To Sorry, go ahead. Austin's not unfounded assertions. A couple things, and again, fall kills me. It does. <laughs> Pollux is probably out of the out of the the whole Horus Heresy. He's probably my favorite character. But holy yeah, crap! And- and I think Pollux is the only one that I can think of, so far anyway, that somebody admits, like, yeah, he he beat a Primarch, like, oh yeah, in a battle. Because even Perturabo, like, after the fight, realizes, oh, we only lived through this because the Imperial Fists, like, had to go home for dinner. But, yeah, sorry. Continue, continue. Uh, a side note on Pert, one of my favorite things about the books is that, you know, in all the Iron Warriors works, nobody mentions Fall at all in the Iron Warriors Legion. Nobody talks about it. Nobody nobody does an after-action report. They're like, well, Fall, what's Fall? We didn't, you know, get our asses handed to us by a third of a Legion and no Primarch. And, uh, you must have you been know. thinking of the word bearers or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you, what are you talking about now? What are these hulking monstrosities hanging out with a Primarch? Though? They were always there. <laughs> but that aside, um, a couple things I would bring up. The command climate? Yeah, probably. Um, you know, I, I do think that's both the Imperial Fist's greatest strength and weakness is their rigidity. Um, it's brought up in um, the third black book. Is that Extermination, I think? Uh, that's the, the book that covers the Battle of Fall and goes into it in great detail. Um, if you're at all interested in it. Uh, uh, yeah, Extermination, book three. Yeah, the uh, uh, Alan Bly's coverage of that, uh, that battle is every bit as good as Crimson Fist. The uh, short story about it, I would recommend you read them both if you're a uh, Fists are an Iron Warriors player. They are superb. But uh, going into that, and near the end of the uh, extermination account of the battle, uh, Bly goes over what all went down and how the Imperial Fists start withdrawing. And he mentions something that really resonated with me. You know, the the command that uh, Dorn was sending out. That was basically like a you know, a, a command on loop that had been going on for, you know, months and months of, you know, trying to gather any scattered elements of the Imperial Fist, get them back to Terra because he needs bodies uh, at this point. It wasn't until the absolute, you know, peak of the, the battle when their boots are on Pert's neck when that message gets sent through and finally pierces the, the warp storm and comes across loud and clear Dad needs you back. Uh, you know, in, in book three, Bly basically comes out and says, that was the work of the warp. That was, uh, you know, the warp entities clearing away for that message because it would screw over the Imperial Fists. Um, so it literally took, you know, an act of God to, you know, steal them of that victory, which sucks, you know, Again, it was a dumb move by Pollux. But you can also keep in mind, uh, you know, he was the second commander in line. He was not, he was so far above his head. You know, everybody, every bit of fluff you, you can read about him. He had 
years and years and years of grooming ahead of him before he gained any sort of significant command in the fleet. Um, you know, he was a great warrior. He was an extremely promising commander, but he was not the, the you know, one of the, the Lord Marshals, not one of the upper echelon guys of the Imperial Fists at all. He was the captain of the 405th Company. <laughs> That's, you know, about as low a rank of, you know, in the command structure as you can get. Uh, and, you know, with that in mind, when an order from the Primarch comes through, a very clear, explicit order saying, this is what you need to do, drop it now, I don't care what you're doing, and go, he's going to do it. I'm not saying it was the right thing. It clearly wasn't. I wish Pert was dead right now. You know, that would be hilarious. I but, do bet, though, that after they came back and Dorn realized what happened, all his other messages for the remainder of the heresy were like, hey, do this, priority one, unless you're within half an hour of destroying a traitor legion <laughs> or killing an enemy prior. You are then be late. <laughs> like, there was some caveats to the standing orders made. Clean up the battle. fall, I think, for the Imperial Fist. Kill anybody who's before you, but the, then then just head on back, okay? <laughs> when, it, when at all practical. <laughs> you know, with the command climate thing, again, that's, that's an Imperial Fist thing. They're the do, you, do you think it was because he was so far down the food chain? Like, do you think Sisigmund would have been like, you know what, Dad, I'm going to take ten minutes. I'm going to finish this. I think Sigismund would have. I think Fafnir Ron would have. Um, I think uh, Wonad, whose death uh, left I him no idea who that is. for command, um, I think he would have. I think, uh, crap, what's the guy? Praetorian of Dorn. Archamas. You know, Archamas might have just headed back. He's he's kind of a stick horse, but that that is that is I think one of the defenses you can mount to that. This like because he was so far down the food chain, he didn't want to like didn't have the interaction with Dorn that uh, some other people would. Kind of a, a reverse Gettysburg effect. Yeah, yeah. Like when Lee tells the guy, "Take that hill if practical," and he goes, "That's eh, not really practical." And literally everyone else in the army is like, "He was just being polite. You take the damn hill." Like, this is kind of that in reverse. Yeah. You know, it's painful. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's the ultimate what it could have. It's, it's got to be one of the most poetic moments in the heresy where you're like, well, well damn. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, so I think we're going to cut it there for now. And yeah. We'll yeah. definitely, definitely come back to this another time. But, um, you know, we really need to make this a, an ongoing segment, just like primarcating. Yeah, like yeah okay. take a vote on a primarch we'll that one of us plays. We'll get a big wheel. A legion that one of us plays. We'll get a big wheel and spin we it. Can sh- yeah, everybody else gets to shit on it, <laughs> and uh, one poor guy gets to try and explain how he is in fact the best. <laughs> I only my only trial stipulation is that we hold off on space wolves. Uh, until after Christmas, <laughs> because, because it might kill, literally kill Stephen uh, if he couldn't wait. I don't on know. That. I think we need to talk about it, and then just Stephen can sit there having a brain aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> we all talk about how great the Space Wolves are. That could uh, be. The- they are a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful just fighting force. Ten minutes of, of of discussing love for Space Wolves and how great they are. Yeah, well, but I think with that, I think uh, we'll wrap it up this week and. Uh, Getting a little bit late. I personally just came back from vacation, so tomorrow's my first day back at work, and I'm not looking forward to it. So, hooray for that! Yeah, Mondays, man. <laughs> I'm ready to flip a table. You know, first five minutes I come in, I'm sure. But, uh, but yeah, uh, Jason had to duck out, but he says bye to everybody. As a thanks for, uh, but uh, Austin, Jared, thanks for coming online. And Jared's yeah, fun. Jared already dropped out too. So that's good. Yeah, Jared's gone. You said we're done. <laughs> He's like done. <laughs> He's out. He's got a new, He's got a new right. baby. You can't be hanging But uh, be sure to check us out, guys, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. I am a uh, very. Uh, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to keep all the social media intact. Got a few hands to help with uh, Facebook, and uh, I'm just slowly learning Twitter. It looks interesting. Apparently that's where all the major stuff happens. So yeah, I'm just following along. 
But yeah, check us out. Send us messages. We'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, until next time, I'm Jesse. And I'm Austin. Thanks again for listening to the Remembrances Retreat. We'll see you next week. 